We're going to talk this morning about God's plan or blessing in our lives. And again, we'll be using the same scripture. It says James 4, 13 through 17. And in two versions, it says, Come now you who say, Today or tomorrow let's go into the city and spend a year there and trade and get gain. Whereas you don't know what your life will be like tomorrow. For what is your life? You are a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. You ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will both live and do this and that. But now you glory in your boasting. All such boasting is evil. To him, therefore, who knows to do good and doesn't do, to him it is sin. When we talk about the plan, making plans is a wonderful thing, and we all do it. I'm going to be coming from this from a very different perspective than Pastor Elijah did. I loved it. I, I sat, took notes this morning as he shared the exact same scripture, and I'm thinking, oh, dear Lord, don't let him take all my good points. And he had an excellent, that young man is... God's going to do and is doing miraculous things in him. Absolutely. He's just, what an anointing. Just blesses my heart to see him. And Aaron, wow, boy, talk about, he was over here, I'm not sure who he is now. Talk about striking the match and setting it to the fire. Wow. We're just amazing. So, yeah, absolutely. When we make plans for the most part, is that all of us do it, plans for a life, we stop and we think the things we'd like to do, the things we've seen, and, oh, gee, this seems like a good idea. So we make the plans, we get all the goals set. For some people, I mean, they kind of go over the top. They get the spreadsheets out, and they, you know, make the list of, yes, I should do this, no, I shouldn't do this, and we develop our plan whether it's for buying a home, whether it's for our career, whether it's the most important decision you will ever make in your life next to accepting Jesus Christ, and that is your spouse. That lady has been the absolute blessing in my life for over 40 years. Yeah, give it up for her, you bet. Those of you who know me, you can call her St. Nancy. She's been with me 40 years, a little over 40 years, so that in and of itself says a lot. But when we make plans, here's what we normally do. We make up all this plan, and as believers, we know God needs to be involved in this. But we sit down, and we make up this plan, and we get everything in place, and then we go, okay, God, now put your blessings on it. And you make everything come to pass on my plan. But we kind of get it in the wrong uh, order. Because the one who will give success to the plan is Father God. And doesn't it you know, kind of make sense to ask him first? Ask him to give us directions, ask him to help us set goals? 
the greatest thing you can do for yourself in your life is get closer to God. And the way that you do that is in prayer and in his word. Because as you begin to formulate plans, as you begin to put stuff together, there are going to be three forces that are available for you to draw from whether you realize it or not. The first one is the spirit of the world. You can click on it. When I do the marriage classes, I, I often chuckle and I tell people, marriage is not like the Hallmark Channel. You know, everybody gets, they fall in love and everything's fine. Then they have a small breakup and they get back together and they live happily ever after. That, yeah, exactly. That's not always the way, but the spirit of the world wants to tell us that if you find the right person, you will therefore have smooth sailing your entire life because you're with the right person who will love you no matter what. And if you stop feeling that way about that person, well, that's a justification to divorce and look for somebody else. And then after a while, folks who gave their whole heart to someone and then the relationship fell apart are very reluctant to step back into that area. So the spirit of the world is very strong as to the house to buy, as to who to marry, as to the work to do. You know, we should all be rock stars and, you know, make millions of dollars and all be whatever it is. I often love when I'll see some of these shows on TV where someone is coming in and their budget for a home, 1.7 million. Okay, I'm probably not going to be so quick. And then there's someone who a budget for a home, 70,000. But I want it with an ensuite. I want five bedrooms, a pool, and three acres. Hmm. They'll have to go way out of town, like Canada, Mexico, what have you, to make that happen. And because we live here in the world, we often are influenced by that, whether we realize it or not. The second thing that impacts our choices is our human spirit. We decide what we want, and that's pretty much it. I'm sure you've all met some folks. Now, of course, none of you are this way, but I'm sure you've met folks who get it in their mind, this is what I'm going to do, and nothing, not the word of God, not prayer, not anything, is going to change you from that, even though it may be an ungodly plan, even though it's going to cause a lot of heartache and problems. I'm doing this, and that's that. And stamp your feet. You ever see a 60-year-old have a three-year-old temper tantrum? It happens. We don't always want to address it, but sometimes that spirit kind of controls. I mean, I'm older now, so I'm, I'm not addressing this, but when I was in my 20s and 30s, you know, I, I used to look around and I said, okay, God, I thank you. You're going to show me who my, well, early 20s, actually, who my spouses who I'm going to marry him. And thankfully, I was never foolish enough to walk up to them and said, God told me that you will be my wife. I didn't do that mainly out of fear. 
because I have a fear of being slapped, fear of being kicked, fear of being, you know, it goes on and on. But that's what happens when we take what we feel is from God because we've got this from our human spirit and we know that what we basically need to do is God needs to approve this. So we kind of bring it to him and say, see God, this is what I'm declaring, this is what I'm speaking. But it's not his plan. Not his plan at all. Nancy is a little bit older than I am, and, well, she is. A, you know, nothing will do more for your self-esteem than when people meet the two of us, and they say to me, how many years older were you than her? Okay. We got that. That's fine. All right, I know I should have worn a wig, but that would have been interesting. But... What we end up doing is we end up asking God to approve our plan. You want to move it to the next? Gotcha. When we finally decide that, Lord, I want what you want from my life. And how does that come? By spending time in prayer. Five minutes, ten minutes, fifteen minutes a day really doesn't do it. It'll cover your day. And it'll help to direct your path. But if you really want to know what God wants for your life, you need to spend some serious time in his word and in prayer. If you've got something really pending that you need an answer on, you need to spend that time with Father God. Because you find that he will give you the answers and he will give you the desires of your heart. Because you spend time with him, so what happens is your heart starts to line up with his. You begin to see things as he does, not as you want them to be. Because if we're honest with ourselves and if we take a good assessment of ourselves, we're pretty selfish and stubborn. We want things the way that we want it. We want folks to do what our plan is. We want God to work in our lives as we think he should. You get this plan, you get this idea, and you decide that, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I put this all together, and it's going to cost this amount of money, and it's going to involve this person changing their mind so that I can marry them. Get this whole thing in place, and then we bring it to God. It's just like when your child says, oh, 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 can I go camping? I've got this wonderful thing, but uh, I need $50 for the tent and the sleeping bag, and I need another $70 for this, and oh, we're going to get some food, so can I have $500 to go away for the weekend with my friends? And then they throw a hissy fit when you say, no. But we do the same thing. We make a plan, and then we want God to agree with it. That's not how it works. What we need to do is we need to spend time in prayer. And for those of us who are married, and this is so important. I do the marriage classes, so you're going to hear a lot on that. 
When you are married to a good woman, as I am, one of the things that happens is you have a prayer partner. And you can get into what they call the power of agreement. And honestly, if you don't choose to spend that time coming to an agreement on whatever it is in marriage, you are in for some major headaches. Because all of a sudden, it's not you. It's us. You know, when God looks at a man and a woman, they see one person. Because scripture says in Genesis 1.26, and the two shall become one flesh, and what God has brought together, let not man tear apart. The Lord knows the world would love to and continues to try to do that. But that agreement is so strong and so powerful that when you come into agreement, you have the power of prayer, and then you spend time making sure that the plan that you have is in line with God's word and not your own. And then you can begin to walk out that plan. But here's where I'm going to hit some hard truths, and for those of you who are older, this is going to resonate big time, and for those of you who aren't, listen up, because it's going to happen. In Psalm 139, 13 through 16, it says, and it moved, okay. For you have formed my innermost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. My soul knows that very well. The only nice thing about all these 20 and 30 hundred different versions of Scripture is I can quote Scripture. And back when there was only like King James and Revised Standard Version, you either knew it or you didn't, and people knew immediately if you muffed it up. Now I can share it. But okay. The word tells us what God's thoughts are on us. We're fearfully and wonderfully made. We're not junk. We're not a mistake. We're not something that happened biologically through thousands and millions of years. We are precious. And so when we put a plan together that God has given to us, nothing can stop what it is we're looking to do. But, now comes the but in our lives. What happens when the plan doesn't work? Most of you know what we've dealt with the past few months. And our plan was we moved from our beautiful Victorian to a two-family. My daughter would be upstairs when we passed on. That house would become hers. It, setting up a trust so that there was money to run the house. There was a rent coming in. She wouldn't have to worry. She would be all set up. God put a major wrench in that plan. And so Nancy and I are looking to see, all right, Lord, where is it that we go 
how do you want us to plan from here? Because that didn't work. God decided it was time to take Rebecca home before that plan was accomplished. And for a lot of you, you may have plans. And again, those of you who are old, I see you shaking your head, nodding your head. And it's like, wait a minute. God gave me this plan. I know this is what was supposed to happen. And it doesn't. So we have a couple of options as to what we can do. Option number one, we can completely fall apart get angry with God, leave everything to do with him, leave the church, and kind of wrap ourselves in our misery. And to some degree you can say, well, with all that happened, that's understandable. But you know what? If you do that, the enemy is one. Because you are no longer effective, you are just kind of like off to the side here. And nothing's, nothing's going to have an impact from there. But, when we trust in the Lord, and I don't know if that's one of the scriptures you want to flip through here, guys. Okay. Oh, they took my other scripture. Well, that's okay. Thankfully, I had parents and Sunday school teachers who really forced me to learn scripture. And at the time, I was like, ah, because you had to be perfectly accurate with it back then. But in Proverbs... Chapter 3, beginning with verse 5, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. When you get to the point where the plan doesn't work, do you just throw it all out and say, Oh, this God thing is nothing. But just a few minutes ago, you sang, Lord, bring the fire. And then when the fire comes, when the fire comes, we don't like it. Now, nobody likes when bad things happen in their lives. Nobody likes when the plans completely get wrecked. Nobody likes when what we thought was going to be our future is no longer our future. And we have to sit and we have to reassess, Lord, what do I do now? And that's where the trust part comes in. Trust that God still has a plan. Trust that God knows how you're going to get through that. And he's also promised to never leave us or forsake us, but to walk through with us. Is it easy? No. The Christian life is totally opposite to what's comfortable. In order to walk with God, there's a cost. Nobody really wants to hear that. It's nice to sing praise and worship uh, songs, and it's nice to just feel the flow of his presence and feel his spirit here. But walking it out, actually saying, Lord, I don't like this. I can't tell you the number of times I've had arguments with God. I mean, on a regular basis, it seems at times. 
And you know what? Don't worry about it. God can handle your anger. If you're seeking his face, if you're looking to commit to him, and things aren't working the way you want them to, it's okay. Stay faithful. I actually should have Nikita or Haywood come up here and share exactly all that God's done in their lives and all the steps they had to walk through to get that victory. You see, that's the case with all of us. God has a plan. God has a purpose. God wants to see you successful. God wants to see you healed. God wants to see you whole. God wants to see you effective for the kingdom. But there are steps to be taken. There are ways to go through. And it is not an easy path. Christianity is the toughest thing in the world. But that's because it's not in the world. We aren't part of the world. Every time we try to take the word of God and meld it with the word of the enemy, it doesn't work. Every time we look at the word and say, well, you know, that was back in olden days. That really doesn't apply now. You get on shaky ground. Because for any of you who spend any number of years reading the word, you know, each time you read, even if it's the same scripture, you get something different out of it. And the reason is you're in a different place. God is speaking to an area in you that you weren't dealing with back aways. As you submit to God and as you allow him to work in your life, what begins to happen is he begins to take things out of your life. And usually it involves a little bit of kicking and screaming. It isn't an easy thing. When you ask God to change me, when you ask God to deliver me from whatever you're struggling with, and again, I've got two folks sitting right up in front here who could come up and share the struggles they went through as they were breaking addiction. But they were willing to do it because they knew God was with them and they knew they would have success in his name. And now they spend time bringing others, going back into that pit, going back into that mess and reaching out and bringing other people and watching them set free because they were willing to go through the struggle and the battle that they had, that they needed to do. And as you're willing to walk through, God is going to break some things off you. But <laughs> there's always something else. Over the years, especially for those of you who weren't blessed enough to be raised in the church, you got a lot of stuff of the world in there. I mean, just a lot crunched down, a lot of anger, a lot of resentment. And before you came to Christ, how did you deal with the anger and resentment? You avoided being around that person. You tried not to think about it. You cried in private, and you stuffed it down. And you come to Christ, and he begins to release things. So that first layer comes off. And you're feeling pretty good, and life is working. Then all of a sudden, 
Jeez, what's this? I haven't thought of that for years. Okay, now I know I need to work on that and have God walk me through that. And you get through that and you go, okay, praise God, I'm completely free. Well, wait a minute, I thought I was completely free. But jeepers, there's something else down there. And that's where it gets interesting. Do we want to continue to let God cleanse our lives in all areas? Because it hurts. I had a situation this week where something occurred and it kicked up a, a memory and a place of anger and unforgiveness from, we've been down here, what, 35, 35 40 years ago. And I'm like, oh, where was that? And I had two options. I could think on that thing and stay mad with a person who did that to me, just be infuriated with them, even though it was nearly 40 years ago. Well, what I did was I realized what I was dealing with, and I got with God in prayer, asked him to forgive me, and to move me past that. And I know there are going to be other things. There are going to continue to be things in our lives. But God cares enough to continue to push in, to continue to push, to continue to say, you know what? I see even more and even better in you. When it talks about being fearfully and wonderfully made, what it's talking about is the fact that when God looks at you through the blood of Jesus, he sees you in your perfected form. He sees you with all the things you're struggling with washed away. He sees that perfect image of you. And as we let him, his job is to help us walk through those places till we get closer and closer and closer to that image of him. And it involves walking a difficult path. It involves time as the action steps, which I guess are, uh, there we go, what we need to do. Spend time in prayer and the word. God worked this out for me. I'm, I'm a morning person, so for those of you who are morning persons, praise God. For those of you who aren't, stay up a little later. You know, you, you, one way or another. I mean, I was a morning person, but I wasn't a real morning, morning person until we had some Labradors. And for whatever reason, one of the Labradors always had to go out at about four in the morning. Even though we put the dog out at nine at night, you know, figure, see, but nope. And I developed that simply because if any of you have ever had to clean up a Labrador on a carpet, now, I mean, this dog, we're not talking a little, we're talking like a gallon, gallon and a half poured on your carpet. Not a pretty thing. So I'm like, I want to get up. So I figured, take him out, come back in, go back to bed, get up at six. Well, once the dog is up, the dog, you could say for once the baby is up, because the dog was a baby at the time. They don't want to go back to sleep. 
So you're kind of up. And this was happening day after day after day. And then you know how to get up for work, so it was kind of like, oh. that's how God developed my early morning time. And I was not thrilled with the dog. I will not share what I shared because this is actually a G-rated presentation. But I wasn't happy. But that's what God used to get me up in the morning to spend time with him. And I'm certainly glad that he did because i got to tell you, the challenges we faced the last few months, I don't know if I had not had that time with him to develop my relationship that I could have handled that or if I would have just said to heck with everything and left. So God will do what it takes to get you to that time where you can spend time with him. Secondly, it says, set plans, and I talked about this earlier, with your spouse and be in agreement. Nothing will be more effective than two godly people praying together. Because God will really work his truths. And there's so much power when you come together to agree on things. And then number three, check the plan through the word and prayer. And be persistent but flexible. I was really good with the persistent part. There was this book when Nancy and I were first married called Man of Steel and Velvet. I had the steel. I mean, this is it. That's it. The velvet, the nice, the sweet, the caring part. I was for sissies. I mean, I married into a ready-made family. And the only thing I knew about dealing with children was my training when I worked for a few years as a counselor in a group home for teens who had just come out of jail. We had very strict rules and regulations and everything else, because otherwise they just go all over you. Uh, 14, 12, and 10-year-olds who have been raised in a loving household don't respond real well to that. But I was a man of steel, and that's what we were going to do. God had to work through some of that. And to be honest with you, some of the hurts that I caused way back then weren't actually healed until a few years ago when God said to me, you know what? You never really apologized for being a real jerk. And I went to my stepson's. And I apologized. And it was amazing what God did. Because see, part of being still was you weren't wrong. We guys are, are raised with the fact that the man is the head of the house. And everyone else must obey and do what he wants to. But if you start to read about the life of Jesus, that wasn't what he did. If you want to be a man, a true godly man, 
read the Gospels and study the life of Jesus. And you'll see God made true and 100% man as God had envisioned. He was loving, he was caring, he wasn't judgmental, except for the religious leaders, he kind of put them in their place. But it makes a difference. So as you start your walk, and you walk your plan, you be persistent. But always be flexible. And most of all, make sure, I guess I'm supposed to call up the music folks, make sure that everything you do is surrounded by prayer. Because that prayer will make the difference between how successful you are in a plan and how much of a dismal failure it can be. But you know what? In the world's eyes, if you make a plan and you fail, it's all over. You're a has-been, you're gone. But not with God. God says, okay, come on. Let's pick up the pieces. Let's gather the things we need to gather. And then, let's make a new plan. And this time, let's start by checking with me. Let's start by letting me bring to you what my plan is for your life. So it really breaks down on this whole thing. Whose plan do we want to live? Our plan that time and time and time again has been nothing but a headache? Or God's plan? Which though it may be difficult, we may struggle, we may have a tremendously hard time, we can walk it through. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. And for those of you here who have heard about God for a lot of years and yeah, you know, this God thing, it's, it's okay in its place. He's reaching out to you right now. He's saying, come with me up to the next level. Some of you have never said yes to Jesus Christ. Others of you have, but you viewed it as fire insurance. I'm not going to hell. I got my fire insurance. And that's as far as it goes. But we still basically live like the world. But, oh, yeah, I said yes to Jesus. When the time comes, I'm going to be in there. There's a time to step up and say, you know what, Lord? I want more of you. I want more of what you have to offer in my life. I don't want to do my plan again and again and again and see it fail. I want your plan that's going to be successful and provide me truth. So let's stand as we pray. Father God, I thank you for those who are here and really don't understand much of what's going on, but you're tugging at their hearts. You're pulling. You're saying, I need you. I need you. Let me come into your life that I can develop a plan that's going to work.
for those who have come and life seems to be in shambles right now. Come and meet the one who's the great restorer. For some who are here and the hurt is just so bad that they can't forgive or they can't forget or they can't move on, come to the Father. For he loves you and his arms are outstretched, welcoming you into the kingdom. For those of you who have not accepted Jesus, ask that you pray with me now. Father God, I feel the stirring within me. I know you want more of me. I know you want my life. But my life is a mess. It's full of sin. It's full of unforgiveness. It's full of anger and resentment and hatred. But take me as I am. Accept me with all my faults and welcome me into your kingdom. Jesus name and if you prayed that prayer there are folks out back sign offering a free Bible take a moment to talk with them take a moment to find out all the promise all the joy all the comfort that can be yours in a relationship with Jesus Christ for the rest of you father I thank you for each person here, I thank you that you are drawing them closer to you through the power of your spirit. I send them forth with your blessing. Father, I send them forth and the blessed coming in and blessed going out. For the Lord will bless you. The Lord will keep you. The Lord will make his face to shine upon you. The Lord will turn his countenance to you and give you a peace that the world cannot take away, that there's no understanding to, but will strengthen and equip you through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.